Hello to all of you listening and watching and welcome to TNT ESQ. I'm Rhys Thomas and I'm here with my co-host Teresa Quinlan. Hey everybody. We make up the TNT and we are here to explode the status quo. The series is all about talking with people who are helping us to think differently so that we can all do differently. Please give a big welcome to our special guest, Anthony Tavellas. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> so cool that you're here. We're really pumped about this. Okay, so Anthony is a technology contractor currently teaching people how to cloud. We'll, we'll find out more about that in due course. <laughs> you may even know Anthony from his LinkedIn series, Blame DevOps. But really, Anthony is a chameleon coming from the fashion industry to systems administrator to DevOps engineer and now educator. Your career journey is founded in a passion for continuous learning. However, that's not what we're here to talk about today. <laughs> or we today, might, who knows? <laughs> we're here to explode the status quo on putting humanity first in the workplace. Yes. The two things might coexist. Mm -hmm. uh, we are so excited to have you on the show today, Anthony. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm really excited for this interview and I'm you know, happy to share what I can. And as you said, explode the status quo. Okay, so we're going to kick off with our usual question based around an obsession. So for you, the topic we're going to talk about is toxicity in the workplace. So you're obsessed with stopping the toxicity that is the technology world, how executives within technology-based companies operate. The purpose is putting humanity first. So tell us, what's the story about how this came to be the thing that you've now decided to make your career? It actually all started way back when. I've been, I've been doing a lot of work on myself over the past two years, and uh, I've actually never shared this before. When I was very young, probably six or seven years old, my dad, in order to keep things in check, would hit me. And that happened for a lot of years. There just came a, a point in my, in my time uh, as a child whereby I got hit to a point where it bruised me. It, it changed my whole world as I knew it and really took away my creativity and took away my, my passion for life. And, and I knew that once I got out of there that, that I, would, I would be free to be me. Uh, a little bit more, <laughs> but we won't get into that. That's a story for another day. But anyways, as I went through fashion and I went through technology, I started to notice uh, more in the technology space that in the workplace, I had that same feeling as what I did when, when I was at home. And that was that I didn't have a voice. I couldn't speak up because I knew that if I did, something bad would happen. Whether I get fired or I get reprimanded, you know, I was seeing a lot of blame, uh, finger pointing, throwing people under the bus, if you will. And probably by, uh, I want to say last week, I came to this conclusion that these two correlate. Now that I'm older and I have a voice, I want to put an end to this. I want to put an end to this toxicity. There's no need for it. You know, we, we can all live and work harmoniously together and we can do so much more. We can do such great things if we start listening to each other, start communicating, start collaborating 
instead of managers hiding behind closed doors saying, Hey, I got an open door policy. And then you never see your manager for the whole quarter. This is where humanity plays a big part. And I'm, I'm just so passionate about keeping this humanity and really making it uh, prevalent in the workplace, specifically technology. I've been in the, like you said, you know, technology workspace for 15 plus years and I've been in the trenches and I've seen it all. I can't see it going any further. I just can't, I need to speak up about it. And so that's exactly what I'm doing. What a noble cause. One of the sort of pivotal points to your story is you recognize your past was showing up in your present moment and toxicity or toxic people or toxic behaviors, it's people's past showing up in their present. What are your thoughts around when you think about changing the landscape of what's happening in maybe specifically workplaces, but specifically technology-based workplaces and all of this toxicity, if you know, if you were abused when you were a kid, if you were bullied when you were a kid, if you were just ignored when you were a kid, all of that, how do you now go about, it seems like a monumental task. How do you go about allowing people to heal from the past? So their present becomes so much more impact, non-talk. That's a great question. And uh, I hope we have enough time for this. (laughs) Yes. In the end, it all starts from the top. So we have to have executive buy-in in order to do this correctly. Part of my movement of Blame DevOps is to expose the culture of DevOps, which is in its basic form, most basic form, communication and collaboration. And so that's why I love DevOps so much. It, it really pushes forward that type of culture uh, whereby they're sharing, there's inspiration, there is no more blame, but more learnings. So if you do something wrong, then let's learn from this. Let's understand what went wrong and how can we fix this so that it doesn't happen again. Let's put some guardrails in place. I think by by teaching the new and upcoming leaders the importance of culture and what it means to properly communicate and collaborate, we can change the whole landscape that way. I honestly don't think that it will change with regards to executives, specifically if they've been taught this toxic environment, right? I, I, be- I truly believe that every corporation or every organization goes through what I call business trauma. And what happens is that over time, the company or the organization, they have these traumatic experiences. There may be mass layoffs there may be a big scandal or whatever. And so the executives that are there in place have learned from their leaders that this toxic behavior is for survival. Mm. And so they're teaching the future leaders that it's okay to do this because that's the only way that you are going to survive and the only way that you're going to move up the uh, corporate ladder. I'm aiming to, to crush that theory because you know, I, I see it in places like Netflix and Amazon and Airbnb. And these are companies that, that have taken DevOps to that level where culture is the most important thing. Their, their people are what drives the company and drives their profits. Because without those people, 
you merely have a product that over time just degrades. Another perfect example is Virgin Airlines. You know, Richard Bronson, you know, you keep on hearing about him in the news and with regards to leadership. Mm -hmm. And it's because he values his people. And this is where I see it in technology because I've been to so many different companies and I've changed so many different companies because I've gotten to that point where I said, oh, wait a second, this is going back to the toxic behavior that I've seen in the last company. The past three, four years, I've been going to company to company to company, realizing that there's one commonality here and that is this toxic environment. Okay, so a couple of things I just wanted to just talk. So obviously, we're talking specifically about technology things. So when I think about that, I think about it being customer-centric. I see it about being service-led. I see it about being product-led. Yes. I don't for one second think about the people who are behind all those platforms, who are creating all those programs. And I also consider it's very time-sensitive or critical sort of scenario where in lots of industries, you might be encouraged to fail because it's part of the process. Whereas in this environment, mm. failure is not an option. That abates this toxicity. Yeah. And, and, and you know, it, it also with failure, instead of learnings, you get blame, mm-hmm. and which is, which is the wrong thing. And this is why I'm a huge believer in continuous learning because it's not just about reading books it's not just about learning new technologies but it's about learning from our mistakes and how can we take those mistakes and turn them into learnings which in turn we can share with other people so that they can learn too and not make the same mistakes that we did this becomes sort of the essence of your cultural foundation is yes. we have daily rituals that we then practice that allows us to execute on the two foundations of communication and collaboration. So if we've got an iteration of a product coming out today, yep. then we have to communicate clearly what failed, what passed, and so that we can move forward under high stakes, tight deadlines to get yep. this iteration out. And if we have daily rituals of, for example, we always communicate openly these things and we collaborate and make decisions quickly. We build the second one, knowing the second one still might fail, but it needs to fail. So we know what the third one's supposed to look like Yes. and so on and so forth. The process continues. If we're not failing, we probably don't have it right. Yes. Yes. And, and I mean, you know, there's times where you will get it right on the first time and that's fantastic. That's a plus, but yeah, there, there are going to be failures along the way. And it's the fact that we need to openly communicate this, you know, in, in technology, it's not just development, it's development, it's operations, it's quality assurance, it's marketing finance. Like there's so many different areas that all should be collaborating and all should be open instead of having meeting after meeting and compliance and this and that. And there's so much red tape right now. It's so unnecessary. It's wasting people's time. Why do you think people opt for blame toxic behaviors instead of opting for collaboration, speaking your truth, sharing knowledge? Because in all truth, you yes. can get to the end in both ways. Yes. So I can point fingers, I can blame, I can be toxic and still get people to do what I want. I can fear-based sleep, lead with a heavy hand or a heavy fist. Yes. Or I can do it this way and still get to the end result. Knowing that one way is definitely better for employee engagement, happiness and fulfillment, and probably mm-hmm. even productivity and bottom line. Why do you think people then choose this way? Because that's the way they're taught. 
That's because of the toxic behavior currently in, in the arena, that's what people are taught. And they think that that's the way that they're supposed to go. Whether they've been taught that from previous companies, whether they've been taught that from the younger years, childhood years, let's say that you have a child and they constantly come home with bad marks. Well, instead of scolding your child, sitting them down and saying, hey, what's up? What's going on? Is something happening at school? You know, have a conversation. Try to figure out what is wrong instead of pointing the finger when all they really need is love. Love, compassion, empathy. You guys being really into EQ, empathy is a core component of that. And I'm not seeing enough of it in, I hate to say it, in our society. You know, you, you go to work. And you see somebody in a bad mood and they're like, oh, what's up with this guy? Such a crabby mood, whatever. Instead of saying, hey, you know, is everything okay? Are you something wrong? And even if they don't want to talk about it, at least when people genuinely care, mm -hmm. not because they want to gossip, but they actually care, then things might be different. And who knows, perhaps the next time you say to them, hey, is, are you all right? the second time they'll know, oh, this person really means it. Yes, exactly. Is that the first time I wasn't sure because I'm looking at you through the lens of everyone else. Mm -hmm. And now all of a sudden you ask me a second time. That's never happened before that someone has actually been interested a second time. And because you asked, now I'm willing to drop my armor a little bit and share with you. Yes. To change the landscape of how we operate. And it's not, it's not just the coworkers, it's the leaders as well. I mean, the leaders need to be involved. You know, you say you have this open door policy, but when your, when your workers are down, that's when they need you the most. And that's when leaders need to reach out and say, Hey, can I talk to you for a second and really dig into what's actually wrong? And even if, you know, that employee doesn't want to open up, say, Hey, you know what? Take a couple of days off. Deal what you got to deal with. Come back with a, with a level head. I don't, I don't hear any of that. Have you ever had that experience in any of the sort of 15 plus years that you've worked in this specific sector? Because I think we're talking about the specific sector here. Yes. I think we just mentioned about an endemic across all corporate, across lots of society, but different industries are more susceptible or accepting to this. Essentially, what you're talking about is have you got the time to take the time to care about the person or are you so driven by the deadline and the product and the new release i remember seeing a program about i think it's more about the gaming industry and they were literally just hurting people in and out just crushing them breaking them until they just had to leave yeah and they knew they complain because no one would listen and there's always someone waiting to take their place is it that sort of cutthroat mentality that is endorsing this toxic behavior from the leadership yeah to answer your first question, yes, I've had two leaders Yay. in my 15 year career yes, in IT. Champion those people. <laughs> yes, yes. Shout and I still, I still hold them dear to my heart. I constantly tell them how the industry needs more people like them to champion their employees, the people underneath them. With your second question, Reese. Yes, the industry seems to be breaking people because they're driving them to, to do this crazy amount of work in such little time that they burn out. Mm -hmm. So you redline your people and what do you think they're going to do? They're going to leave or they stay and then they end up having a nervous breakdown or they just, they get sick or they start underperforming. Either way, it just sucks. It really sucks. 
I don't usually broad stroke genders. Yes. I think this might be a good opportunity to explore the potential of historically how male and female are raised. Yeah. And raised under drive performance must provide compared to perhaps a little bit more on the scale of nurturing and caring and leading with your heart. That potential distinction in gender it seems that the tech industry is much more male dominated than female dominated. Yes. Is this a contributing factor? That I can't, I can't tell you. Cause I mean, I know a lot of compassionate guys. Fortunately, they're not, they're not leading. If they were leading, then it'd be probably a different story. I, I see that a lot of men in this industry now are starting to, to be more open to actually feeling actually digging into past trauma, trying to change things for the better. Mm -hmm. And not just, it's not necessarily for their job. It's more for themselves. Mm -hmm. That comes with a lot of work. As you guys know, when you start to deal with past trauma, there's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of crying. I know I, I've been through it and it's, uh, it's extremely tough. But in the end, we all know that it's so worth it. Well, there's also this ripple impact of it. While you may be dedicating it towards, you know, your self-survival, we spoke about survival earlier. Sometimes we have behaviors that are for the survival of us at work and protecting yes. ourselves there. But sometimes there's this switch that if I don't deal with this, I'm actually not going to survive. And so I must deal with this trauma in order to break free of what's holding me back and pinning me down. And yes. so in my personal life, I see it the most because I'm hurting the people that are most important to me. And then I get this wonderful ripple impact to notice that it impacts me everywhere I go, not just in my personal life, but also now in my professional life. And so all the people I lead now get to know I care about them first, and then I'm interested in their performance. Yes, exactly. And that's the thing is that when you start to show compassion and empathy towards somebody, you're going to have a better result of them communicating with you because they know that you actually care that you're not just driving them to do a specific job. It's much more than that. And I'm a firm believer in if you can't have a drink with your coworkers after, after work, you're in the wrong company. You should be open enough to look at that environment as your second home. Well, you're there for usually a third or more of your day. The other exactly. third, you're sleeping. And the other <laughs> third, you, you might be at home or you might be also working when you're at home. Like, yeah, it, it's yeah. a tremendous component of our day. And that's often forgotten is that this is a huge portion of our life. We don't feel like we're connected to not just the work, because I do believe people choose work that they are passionate and interested yes. in. Yes, of course. We have to believe that we are part of a community that accepts us, includes us, cares for us. I mean, yes. how are we supposed to perform at our optimum? No, I totally agree with you. It, it does affect our everyday. So if you really look at it as a family dynamic, mm -hmm. then it, it changes everything. It really does. You know, the, the leaders start to see things like if you're running late and your manager knows that you're running late, how awesome would it be for that, for your manager to call your wife saying, Hey, you know what? I'm really sorry. I kept up your husband at work. He's coming home right now. So I really apologize. That would be awesome. 
I've never heard of this happening though. <laughs> I bet you it has. I bet you somewhere. Oh, in I'm sure. It has. And right, everyone's like, I want to work for that person. <laughs> I want to work for that guy. <laughs> for that person. I remember once I sent flowers to one of my coworkers' mothers because she always took her daughters twice per week so that she could come to work and she could get her work done without being distracted. And her mom was just like, I've never heard of this happening before. And I thought, Maybe it was a stroke of brilliance, but it wasn't. I'm eternally grateful. And I thought, what can I do to demonstrate gratefulness to this person, which also to my employee yeah. will show her how much I adore her as an individual, how much she means to this team, how much she means to me. Yeah. I really don't think that my behaviors as a leader are exceptional. I believe the difference between me and other people who think it is that I just decide to take action. I'm not afraid of people knowing yes. that I care about them because I think what gets in the way of a lot of other leaders is if they know I care that much, I'm worried they're going to take advantage of me. Yes. And that's insecurities. That That's all baggage that you've been carrying all these years that you got to deal with. Mm -hmm. And once you've, once you've ridden yourself of that baggage, it makes you s such a great leader. That's all I got to say about that. Since we're talking about sort of generalizing and talking about stereotypes, let's talk about my like, general perception of someone working in the tech industry is that, you know, quite isolationist, almost maybe the like individualistic, like the work they do, the actual inputting of the kind of thing is very individual. Yes, so it yeah. doesn't um, lend itself to collaborative work. It doesn't lend itself to that sort of project type work. Is that true? Is that what's causing this sort of ripple effect of this toxicity throughout the workplace? So these people are attracted to that type of job because of those aspects. They go to that job, they reinforce those things by the, the leaders. The people who dare to show the compassion are looked over or not promoted. So the people who are living up to these un wrong ideas standards, yeah. are getting promoted. And so it's a self-edifying self sort of uh, scenario. How do you break that cycle? I don't know. So it's a really complex answer uh, to that question because there's so many different variables that come into play. I mean, there's office politics, blame, the way that that leaders lead, whether it be, you know, with a iron fist, never have I seen compassion except a few times. But yeah, it's, it's, it's so many variables that I can't really pinpoint. It has to be everything in general. It has to be a collective of positivity. And that's what's missing is that, that collective of positivity. I mean, if there's one executive that says, hey, you know what? I think we should do things this way. Well, if there's seven other people that are saying no, chances are it's not going to happen. Unless so, that one individual is like hyper influential. Exactly, exactly. So you, so you do see people leaving because of burnout. You do see people leaving because of that fire that they once had has slowly dimmed and now they're no longer inspired. You wake up Monday morning and they're like, oh, I got to go to work. Yeah. <laughs> how many times have you heard? If I had a dollar for every time I heard that, well, man. How many times have you said it? I've said it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, I know as soon as I say it that I'm like, okay, I need to change jobs. Right. I'm in trouble. Yeah. There's the inspiration. There is blame. You know, people aren't taking it on because they're, they're worried about getting in trouble. We're creating a, a culture of fear as opposed to creating a culture of learning.
there's, there's another thing is that employers want us to learn new technologies, but they want us to learn it overnight. That's not possible. There's so much new technology coming out all the time that employers need to believe in their people so much that they will pay for them to get educated on what it is that they need to learn. Yes. Instead of, oh, well, they have to do it in their own time because we just don't have the time or the budget. But next thing you know, you know, you have your workers come in they're they're burnt out because they've, they've spent so much time trying to learn something on their own. They sacrifice their family time. They mm -hmm. sacrifice personal time. You can do it with a balance. Those people who are very eager to grow, kudos to them. Fantastic. I did, I did the same thing. I hold 10 cloud certifications. And so in order to learn it, I was actually spending a lot of time on the subway and the streetcar going through videos in order for me to learn because mm -hmm. I didn't have the time to do it at work. If we took the time to say, hey, you know what? Once a month, we're going to spend a whole day doing a workshop. Were you doing that learning because you wanted to, to learn something new? Or were you doing it because you felt you had to push yourself beyond your sort of limit, be up to breaking point to be accepted, to be promoted, to be... For originally, I did it because nobody would hire me because of my qualifications. I came from a systems administrator background with no cloud knowledge whatsoever. And within five years, I've accumulated 10 certifications. Just because I have a certification doesn't make me qualify. The learnings behind it, that's what's key. I looked at it as a learning experience for myself and the certification in the end as the cherry on the Sunday. If I had more time to do it while I was at work, then I think that it wouldn't be such a task. There were times where I would say to my wife, hey, can you, can you look after uh, our son for a whole day Saturday for the next two weeks so that I can study? And meanwhile, yes, I'm trying to advance my career, but at the same time, you know, I, I'm missing time with, with my, my four-year-old. He's five now. You know, those who are listening who have kids, you know how, how fast they grow up. And next thing you know, they're in college and they're saying, hey, why didn't you spend time with me? Or you don't have that close connection. You know, I, I see these families that have such close connections with their children. Uh, I won't lie. I kind of envy it. Not that I'm going to give you like a pass on this one. But sometimes it's also being able to look at in this short moment of time, I need to reprioritize on purpose. I'm going yes. to be a little off balance. And the people that are important to me, I've communicated clearly why. So they understand it's not because I don't not want to spend time with them. It's not because I don't love them. It's not because this thing is more important than them. It's yes. that thing requires my attention in order to move in this direction. So our time will adjust slightly every day or maybe a little bit more than slightly every day. Yes. And then my intention when I'm with when I'm with them is so much more focused, right? We yes. really do learn a lot about, I've got 20 minutes. How do I get the most out of this 20 minutes? No, it's, it's true. And, and I mean, I'm not blanketing this statement over all organizations. There are organizations out there that are making headway in specifically continuous learning and higher education. And kudos to them for do, doing it. But there are still so many of them out there that just don't care. They just want the work done. 
that is a recipe for disaster and a recipe for, for having your best people leave. I wonder if we could take a U-turn and go back to the start for a minute. Because sure. we've been dissecting, you know, what does it look like in the workplace? Why is, are these things happening? We've also been looking at, you know, what can be done about it? How do we navigate through these things to make the future better? But I want to go back to the start because your story and when we share our story provides insights for people who are listening to go, oh, that's me. That's what that is and really helps them to break through. How did he know that's what it was? So how did you know? What happened to you that you went, oh my gosh, that's what it is. And that's what I need to work on so I get to move forward. So as I explained before, I've done a lot of work over the years. I met a homeopath who said, hey, I, I see something in you and I see you trying to break free of something. What are you fighting for? What is your purpose? And I was so into finding my purpose. You know, you hear this all the time. Oh, I want to find my purpose. Oh, I want to find my passion. There's so much work that's involved. And so she said to me, she's like, are you willing to do the work? And because I wanted, I wanted to understand why am I here on this earth? What is my purpose? What am I supposed to be doing? I said, yes, I will do the work. I dealt with my past trauma, the trauma that I had with my parents growing up. Both my parents were working parents. So my big brother is the one that took care of me and my little brother. So now I had my big brother, who was more of a father figure, as opposed to my actual brother. And so when I got older, I said, hey, you know, I, I want to have this brotherly relationship with you. And it wasn't, wasn't the same. Mm -hmm. You know, I missed that whole, that whole experience of having a big brother. I missed it. And sorry, take a moment here. Absolutely. It, um, it hurt a lot. Talk about it with my little brother. You know, what did he go through? And I started to dissect all these traumas and I started to talk to others, you know, my brothers about it. I talked to my parents about it. And that I find that the more transparent and open you are to understanding who you are, and how you've become who you are today is how you find your purpose. And if you do not do the work and dig deep and be honest with yourself and be transparent with yourself, you won't find your purpose. You will be stuck in limbo thinking that, why am I on this earth? Why is this happening to me? And there's no self-awareness. Beautifully put. Yeah, excellent. I guess that's why you want to make the leaders in, in whatever industry it be, whether it's technology or not, have that same realization. Take that time, invest in their people, have that empathy, listen to them, literally care about them, not just care about the bottom line. Exactly. Because in the end, it's all about the people. Without the people on this planet, without this bond that we have, this trust, this unity, mm we don't have anything to stand for. We just have stuff. I, I tell everyone, it's not about money in the end. In the end, it's about your happiness. It's about looking back at your life and saying, 
did I make a difference? And looking back at your life and saying, do I have any regrets? You shouldn't have any regrets. You should live your life the way that you see fit, creating a, a legacy for your children and for the rest of humanity. You know, you look at somebody like Martin Luther King, that guy, like every time you hear, I had a dream, right. that's who you think of. Cause he made a great, great impact. And because. this is the type of impact that I want to, to make. I want to inspire people to, to speak up and, and to, to stand up for their values. You know, I'm working with my, my coach plug for my coach, Renee Johnson. She, she has gone through with me the importance of your values. And without these values, who are we? What do we stand for? And, and this, this really hits home for me. And, and I, I want to be able to leave that legacy for my children and for the rest of humanity, knowing that I did my best and I, I worked my damnness to bring humanity back to technology. We have a hashtag, not anymore. And it's related to the things that we have to stop doing. So we can't not pay attention to humanity first in the workplace. But maybe more so what we're experiencing from you is we can't not pay attention to how our past is showing up today so that we can step into our, our future, a better future. What golden nugget, perhaps, would you like to leave our listeners with today of potentially maybe the first thing they need to do? I would have to say that if you could do anything to better yourself and to better your life is to look into what made you who you are today. Look into those traumas, no matter how hurtful they are, no matter how difficult they are to face. If you face them, I promise you that there is light at the end of the tunnel and this light shines so bright, you will be amazed at what you can achieve. Thank you for your vulnerability. Yeah and your honesty and come with your whole heart. I've learned, first of all, a bow tie is one of your <laughs> super awesome right now. I've also learned that whether you're a CEO listening or perhaps you're like Anthony, you're listening and you're in your fog, but you know that you've had enough that there are things that we can start doing today to really make that difference. So thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your experience today. Thank you guys Absolutely. so much for having me. I really appreciate it. If you want to connect more with Anthony, you can connect with him on LinkedIn. You can also email him at Anthony at mobilegenius.ca. One of the best uh, email. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> or check me out on blame DevOps. There you go. Blame DevOps. Yes. Yeah. We always like to end with a rapid fire Q&A. Uh -oh. It's pretty straightforward. 10 statements, you got to make a choice. Are okay. you ready? Not really, but hit me. Manager or leader? Leader. Active or reactive? Active. Black and white or gray? Gray. Optimist or realist? Optimist. Canada or England? <laughs> Canada. 
<laughs> it is two against one, so. <laughs> Heart or head? Heart. Empathy or assertiveness? Empathy. Introvert or extrovert? Extrovert. Logical or emotional? Emotional. Innovation or process? Innovation. My dear friend, thank you so much. Big hugs and lots of love. Love you guys. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Anthony. I really appreciate you, you know, really opening up your heart to us, talking through all the, the, the reasons for your being. And it made me think when you were talking about that, that we all need to, to recognize that we are human beings and we need to stop just being and start recognizing or connecting with the fact that we are humans first. That's something that you've taught me today. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm, I'm glad I could help. Hey, thanks for joining us on this episode of TNT ESQ with myself, Teresa Quinlan, and my co-host, Reese Thomas. It was a pleasure having you stop in and listen. Until next time, keep challenging the status quo.